Welcome to Imparkibus Sintidelio, the show focused on smells, bells, old prayers, and rediscovering the Catholic imagination. Our mission is to explore what it means to have a Catholic worldview and what faithfully living the life of a Catholic looks like in a land of unbelievers. I'm your host, Sean Barth. Let's get to it. It brings you joy. You know? Father Rob. Like Father, yeah. Father Rob Johnson back. Yeah. Shit, this black, it's like a, it's the priest model. Yeah, oh, for sure. So, I'm here with Maggie and with Brooke. Hello. Hello. Both of, whom, both of whom are students at SIUE, uh, among other things. So, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about stuff that happens at church. See if you have a preference of, for, for okay. something, okay? Mm-hmm. So, do you have a preference if I said bells? Or incense? I would say incense. Why? Why would you um, say incense? I don't know. I just feel like when there's incense, something special is happening, and it's just, like, exciting. Okay. And it doesn't happen all the time. I guess bells don't happen all the time either, but... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Maggie, let's say holy water or oil. Ooh. Like, which I prefer. Yeah. For me, it's, like, holy water is just, like... You can have holy water all the time. Like, you dip your hand in the holy water, like, when mm. you come and exit mass. But oil, to me, is, like, sacramental. Uh-huh. So that has more weight to it. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I guess, like, there's something really cool about the holy water in the sense of, like, you have the chance of, like, using it every mass. Uh-huh. But then, like, the oil is interesting, too, because it's it's, like... Rare, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. So the answer, the answer could just be yes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Both. You <laughs> just know. depends. Sure. Yeah. Right. So when when you're hearing music or like when you're singing mm-hmm. in church, do you and something's like in Latin, do you jump on board and like try to sing, or are you like, wait a minute, is the English verse going to kick in? I kind of like the Latin because when I was in like second gradeish area, we had a monsignor and he saying everything in latin like all the stuff and it just reminds me of that and i like remember it and that's the only time i ever that was like i guess the first time i remember doing that and what grade just, was like, this? it was like second grade because okay. i remember like first communion time he was there right so yeah i don't know it was just like brings you back to that time when i first learned it mm-hmm. was he like an older guy or was he um he's probably like in his 50s okay maybe. so yeah. not super old yeah not super old See, I think I'm the opposite. I, when I hear like the Latin, it kind of throws me off. And I rather have the English because I feel with the Latin, I'm just, I give no meaning to it. And I don't even know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Where when I have the English, I know what I'm saying. And it's more prayerful. Whereas the Latin is just gibberish to me. So I'm not like getting that experience and the prayer in it. I feel like because I'm just trying to like follow along with what's. Right. So would just for both of you guys, maybe if you had the opportunity to sit with a group of people and pray the rosary or sit with a group of people and just like share prayers with one another kind of spontaneously, would you have a preference over which one you would do? Hmm. That's interesting. So like if, if there was like something that popped up in the group and said, hey, something's going on, you know, I'm going to be in the chapel at four o'clock today. If you guys want to come join me. And you show up and whoever it is is like has a bunch of rosaries or somebody shows up or you show up and a bunch of the person's just like, Hey, let's just sit down and pray. Like, which one would you feel more comfortable doing? I guess would mm. be more interesting. Which one do you think would like, would draw you deeper into prayer? And I just asked like six different yeah. questions right there, but 
Because I feel like there's different answers. Because I love the uniformity and like the unison, the universal feel of the rosary and kind of the consistency of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it lately, like when I've been coming on like Mondays and Wednesdays and praying the rosary, like I really enjoyed it. And like I'd never really prayed the rosary a lot before coming here. But then when you have the whole experience of like just come and like say a prayer, pray together, like share prayers, mm-hmm. that I feel like maybe not necessarily as comfortable. I feel like that's more vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. like that's more like hard to do, mm-hmm. but yet you may get like a deeper prayer out of that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think so. Like did the person out, like the personal nature of like mm-hmm. the spontaneous prayer. Right. Versus like maybe the communal prayer. Right. Or, like, mm-hmm. the so I feel like there's benefits to both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just, what you need in that moment maybe yeah right yeah those are good i like that did you have um i would say like probably for me i just like the more spontaneous prayer because i don't know i feel like the words can relate to what's going on more you can kind of be more specific with it Mm. but but yeah i do like praying in a group with the rosary because like everyone like so it's uniform and like Mm -hmm. everyone's doing the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, definitely pros and cons for both. Yeah. So, Maggie, I think I know a little bit about your story from um, the little group that we were in with the story thing. That we yeah, did. share yeah. your story. So, um, Brooke, I'm not so sure. Just out of curiosity, is there a person or maybe a time or like an event that you can see or recall as like the moment or like the catalyst that kind of drew you into like an adult faith? Or something that has like sent you on the trajectory that you're on right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I guess mine's kind of like a person and an event. Okay. So I always like go back to and like where I see my faith like really take off was after I got confirmed, which was like at the very end of eighth grade. Um, and my sponsor was like my older cousin who's like three years older than me. And so I guess just like both of those combined, like getting confirmed and then like having someone like her to look up to, I just saw like before my confirmation, like my faith was important, but like after that, I just saw like, I don't know, the way I lived, the way I like saw things was just different. And I was just more like mature, I guess, in my faith. If cool. That makes sense. Who did yeah. you have for your uh, saint? Um, Mary. Yeah, yeah I Mary, Mary, the mother of God. Yeah, I couldn't decide, so I was like, I'll just do Mary. You might as well just yeah. pull out the big guns. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah, bold. Yeah, not even like Mary, like, yeah, you know. Yeah, was Mary, Mary the mother of God. Was, wow. Yeah, yeah. Just go big or go yeah. home, right? Yeah. So who's your sponsor? Um, it's my cousin, Lisa. She's three years older than me. She who so. we met? Yeah. She went to the movie, right? Yeah, she's been, she came to 8 p.m. Mass, like, once, and then she came to see Unplanned with a group, with cool. our group. So, yeah, she's been around a little, but... Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So, so it's your confirmation. That's cool. Yeah. That's not something I normally hear. It's usually like my grandma. Yeah. And that's usually all I hear. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. That gives me hope because usually like uh, I've done confirmation interviews and stuff with eighth graders in, my, in a previous life. And uh, <laughs> it was always like they just would memorize everything. And it was <laughs> yeah. never really, I never really noticed anything that I could say is like, okay, something stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always, okay, I have to memorize the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I have to memorize, like, what does the Trinity mean? 
you know, and yeah. that's like as far as it went. And as a lot mm-hmm. of times it was like the hardest part of the whole thing was just choosing a saint and then like wearing the dress up clothes for a day. And then after that, it was like, thank God I'm done. <laughs> so Maggie, you want to recap? Maybe just like throw it out there for people that might not know. Yeah. So mine, mine's kind of like a mix of things too, but I would say my grandma was a huge influence on my faith, but not really in the way of like, yeah, she was very faithful, but I found my faith to be stronger like after like loss, after like I lost my grandma in high school and I was just going through a lot of different things in high school. And the one thing that I could always come back to was my faith. And like that was really consistent and I always found comfort in that. And so it kind of in high school, like during this time of just losing like grandparents and just all these things happening, um, my faith at that time kind of was more mine. Like it was like my choosing of like, I'm going to accept this and I'm going to like take ownership of this. And like, I really want, this is something I really need in my life and I really want in my life. Whereas before it was like, oh, just going through the motions. Like my parents, like this is like how I was raised. Like it was never like something that was like my choosing. But I think in high school with like the different experiences, I was able to see the difference it made and then I wanted to go deeper into that. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a short version. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It's always a short yeah. version. So I got a phone call from my, like my best friend from when I was a kid last night. His mom committed suicide when he was a little kid. I got a phone call from him last night and his, his dad had actually committed suicide mm-hmm. back before last, mm-hmm. which is really big yeah. um, because like his whole family is just devastated. And of course he's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he has PTSD from Iraq and it's just mm-hmm. like this really crazy stuff. And I haven't talked to him for a super long time. And I was talking to him last night and I was, you know, bring, I brought up the idea of faith and he's like, man, I have none. He's like, I don't even know. It's like, I haven't really had any faith for a really long time. And I'm kind of like, I'm thinking about what exactly I would say, like how to approach the situation with this, because I do believe that like, you know, all things work together for good for right. those who love God, right, like right, it says right. in, in, in the book of Romans. Right. But it's like, what I don't want to say is like, where's the good in this? Right. Like, where's the good? Like he's, this is a fresh wound. No. Right. You know? Right. So like, how do you think you would approach someone who has been through like a really tough moment? What is like, what, what would you say is like, would be your, your tactic, I guess, or like, how would you evangelize to that person? I think something I found really important, like even just recently learning more about my faith and just everything is just making sure people know and even like yourself but like it's okay to like go through all those like emotions and like to be upset and like all that because I feel like certain times in my life where it's like bad things happen but like you know you hear like okay this is gonna end up good this is gonna end up good or like all this stuff and you kind of like don't feel all the emotions you need to feel because you're like okay well I shouldn't be mad at God or I shouldn't do this because like I know mm-hmm. you know like he has a plan or whatever so I feel like it's really important to like let yourself feel all the things and then when it's not so fresh and like you do you have gone through all the steps of like feeling what you need to feel then that is when you can then have perspective on it and then like try to grow deeper okay like where is god working in this because you can't do it right away right i don't know though if that really answers anything i think so yeah yeah i don't know that's hard i yeah i like that idea of just letting yourself feel all the emotions that you need to feel. And I guess just like 
at the end just realizing that you might not know why this happened but mm-hmm. like god knows and like that's kind of where it, where you have to leave it i guess because yeah it's hard i don't know yeah. yeah yeah i think i think there's some wisdom in what you said maggie for sure like certainly emotions are important you yeah know? And like dealing with that and like at least not even dealing with it but just like allowing that to happen yeah can yeah. be a really powerful thing because i feel like i don't know just really grief in my own life and things that uh, i've seen like family members and stuff is i feel like you know you always hear like it takes time it takes time like after something happens but i feel like people put a time limit on that Mm-hmm. So, like, they think, like, I have to be better by, like, this is, like, it's been too long. Or, like, you know, or, um, like, they don't let themselves feel those things. Because you hear the whole, okay, this person wouldn't want me to be sad right now. Mm-hmm. So then you, like, shove it down or you feel bad for feeling sad. So I think, yeah, just, like, letting people around you, like, be upset too and not, like, trying to be, like, it's okay, it's okay, like, not shutting them up, really, because I feel like they really do need to, like, feel those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I liked how you said, like, not shoving it down, so, like, feeling those emotions and, like, letting them go instead of, like, pushing it, pushing it down. Right. Because that's not going to help. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because you think, like, I think about people who try to be, like, the strong one in the family, Mm -hmm. and it generally turns out, like, after some time, in the middle of like what doing whatever, right. they have like a breakdown, right? And they're like, "What was that?" And then oh. you don't know how to deal with that because exactly. you're like, "I don't know where that's from." So then you have to trace back, and then yeah. you're yeah, like right. deeper than like you would have been if you would have just dealt with totally. it in the first true. place. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, and unfortunately, like that, not dealing with that stuff can really be a source of doubt or like blame, like yeah. on God. You know, yeah. I know people who have like not been able to get pregnant and they blame God. Yeah. You know, um, and they, like, lose their faith. Yeah. Have either of you ever had, like, do you know anybody or maybe, like, in your own life, like, experienced, know anybody who's experienced doubt or, like, has doubted to the point of, like, leaving the church or, like, leaving the faith or, like, not believing anymore? Have either of you ever experienced any kind of doubt in your life or any moment that might have, like, potentially pulled you away from God or anything like that? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I think it was, it's kind of crazy, too like, the timing of different things that I've had in my life, because, like, my faith really grew probably, like, into my sophomore year, junior year, um, but during sophomore year, like, before, like, like, I, I was, I would say, like, my faith was decent, but it wasn't, like, great, but, like, I went through, like, this really tough time of just, like, really, like, bad anxiety and, like, depression and, like, just a really low time in my life, and, like, in that, in that time, like, I didn't, see God like ever like I didn't see him in that and I kind of like in some ways I, I don't think in the like now like looking back I can like realize this but in the moment I thought God was doing that to me and like God was like why is God allowing this but like kind of also like God made me this way like I'm like having this depression and like this anxiety and like why would God do that kind of thing mm-hmm. but it was like really crazy because after all of that and like I like went to counseling and like all this stuff that is like when my faith really grew so it was crazy because i did have that moment of like doubting god and like kind of being angry at god like why would this why would he let this happen but then with that my faith really grew so i don't know if without that time i would be here today yeah but like i also don't know what got me to that point of Hmm. 
my faith being strong because I did have that time of like really doubting. So then you can't like identify any like anything that took you like to help you like cross that line, huh? And in the process, in that pro- I know it's always a process. Yeah, it's and it's crazy because like even like now, like just trying to like reflect on different things in my life, it's like that time of my life is very fuzzy mm-hmm. and like I it's hard sometimes to like go back there but one thing that was huge was after I shortly after all of this I started keeping a journal I don't even know where I got this idea but I just started journaling my prayers mm-hmm. and that gave me something to have an outlet and it gave me like a routine and like something to say like okay every night before I go to bed I'm gonna journal and it started as something simple but like something like that simple like really like really formed into something else like that like really helps my relationship with God like just like sitting down and like writing out like what I was feeling Mm -hmm. and so I think that was huge but I don't know what brought me to that but yeah Chances are it's the Holy Spirit. I'm oh, just, yeah. just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. else I might have. Yeah, interesting. Correct everything? You know, nothing that I can really think of with when it comes to like doubts or any people in my life that have like mm-hmm. doubted to any kind of extent of like doubting God or leaving the faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that I can think of. Is there anybody in your life yeah. then that you would say is like maybe you re- you look at them and you're like, well, this person is very strong. And their faith, and you can see them as someone who is unshakable in their faith. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say my grandma, when she was a teenager, she lost both her parents. Like her mom died when she was thirteen, and her dad when she was like nineteen. And then um, she, so then she lived with her sister, and like um, she married my grandpa, and then he died of a heart attack. Like I guess when I was like a few months old, so. They've been they'd been married for like over forty years, I guess, at that point. And just like seeing like all the loss that she's been through in her life and then like also she's the youngest um of four, so like all of her older siblings have also passed away. So yeah, so just like seeing all the loss she's been through and then seeing like just how joyful she is in her life and how like strong she is in her faith and like you would never guess that she's been through all of that just by the way she she acts and it's just like yeah she's just so inspiring and so strong and she does that and then still to like face life with such a joyful look on everything it's yeah it's crazy yeah yeah i really admire her yeah that's interesting and i was talking to someone earlier this evening he has a an acquaintance a friend the guy that he works with who's 20 years old but he's been through addiction and he's like totally in recovery now but he Went from somebody who was like, an, I think a non-believer, like maybe an atheist, but now he's like super on fire. But it is because of his struggles with addiction that he has kind of like become this person of faith. So we were kind of just shooting the breeze and I was like, man, I wonder if it's because of this person's like adversity or the loss or whatever that made him like so strong in his faith. Was it because of that? Like what would it, if he hadn't experienced those things, would he still find himself in a situation where he still loves God so much? So it's almost like the question, do people who struggle and come out on top, are they closer to sainthood than people that don't struggle? And you know what I mean? I, maybe I just haven't even been able to like formulate the question. I don't want to say yes, because that means like it's, it's not fair for people that 
you know, are consistently right. following God, you know, and right. yeah. kind of reminds me of like, you know, the prodigal son kind of thing. But, right. You know, I just always think of something my mom said a lot is she's like, a lot of times I find that the people who have gone through the most suffering or like the, like a lot of hardship, those are a lot of times the most joyful and the most faithful people. Hmm. And I just like always find that very fascinating. Yeah, I could see like also how we were talking about doubts earlier, like either, you know, if you go through all of that and then you either, I guess you could kind of go like two ways, either you like lose your faith completely because of that or you get stronger in your faith and like in that it's like, it's like a huge amount of strongness, strong strength in your faith, yeah, so, huh. yeah. <laughs> because yeah once again like i definitely don't want to like give people you know a raw deal because they're they've had it not like easy but they haven't right. had to struggle a lot right you know to say that like they're not as deep in their relationship right I'm fascinated by this you know a lot of the stories of the saints and stuff like that people who really struggled and yeah. you know we have their stories well and i think there's something too to be said about people's struggles because we all have struggles but he said like maybe some people like haven't had those struggles but yet they probably have their own struggles that maybe aren't like in some people's eyes as big, mm-hmm. but like to that person, like that's big, right? You know, so like I feel like it's hard to like comparing struggles yeah. because like we're all different, we all have different experiences, we come from different backgrounds. So like maybe something that's like big to you, like maybe isn't big to me or big, like you know, vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone has suffering everyone goes through things but a lot of times we don't see all the things people go through because maybe to us that's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. yeah and i'm not a huge fan of the thing about you know god will only give you as much as you can handle because i think that's not fair because people that really struggle it's like why does god think i can handle this versus right you know but at the same time i think you're right like suffering happens like that is one of the right. non-negotiables about life right so the question is like, what do we do with it? Right. And like, like, how do you react? Mm-hmm. How are you gonna? Yeah, and part of me, I feel like, like the, the older generations, in my experience, have been so much better at doing that. Like they've been so much more, so much more graceful in their experience. I don't want to like romanticize like the older people, you know, but. Mm-hmm. I feel like the people that were like the World War II generation and people like even older than that who went to like the Great Depression mm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like those are the people who like pray the rosary every day and would wake up super early and go to mass, you know, yeah. and like would pray the rosary with their families. And was like, mm. that's the generation that I, I look at. I'm like, what, what did they have about their lives? Like that's the Catholic imagination that I'm talking about. Mm. Like mm-hmm. what about their experience and their worldview is just not around anymore if that makes sense mm-hmm. i feel like that's the case maybe i'm wrong maybe like all this like talking about this stuff is completely i'm way off but i feel like there's something that was there or maybe something that wasn't there that is here or could go either way you know mm-hmm. like hmm. i think we've lost a lot of the tradition okay like i, I mean i think growing up when going through Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, and like a Catholic family, yet we never prayed the rosary together. You know, mm-hmm. you don't like we just didn't do that. And like, yeah, we prayed before meals, but that was pretty much the extent of it. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, we talk about faith here and there, and like pray before you go to bed, but it was never like a. I don't know. There wasn't that tradition, so I feel like somewhere along the way that. 
tradition and yet like community with it was mm-hmm. lost because I feel like a lot of times nowadays at least like growing up I saw this in my own family of like faith was kind of like a personal thing mm. and like it's not like something like it was very private you know so you don't do that as like a big family thing but then you lose that tradition and you lose the community yeah. so I don't know that's just in my experience but yeah yeah I don't know where it goes because like I know I've definitely heard stories from my mom and like my uncles about how they like at, when they were little they would go as a family every Saturday to confession mm. and like we like our family we never do that so like I just wonder, and there's probably a lot more things, too, that, like, don't get passed down, and you're just, like, wonder why or, like, where they go. Or I think it's, too, it goes back to that experience of, like, somebody has a bad experience in their life of, like, maybe going to confession, so they're, like, okay, I'm not going to have my family do that. Or, like, you see something happen in your childhood that you don't (laughs) like, so you're, like, okay, I'm not passing that on to my family. And But then eventually, you lose it. Yeah. Yeah, it just takes a couple generations, right, to lose a tradition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so it's. I think it's the difference between like a worldview and like an ideology, like how you identify yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, is it just part of my identity to say, okay, you know, I am a father, I'm a, you know, whatever, I'm a, I'm a, and I'm Catholic versus like, you know, that's just built in. Like, I don't even have to like identify myself out verbally to say I'm a Catholic, just because it's such a part of who I am. Right. You know. Um, because yeah, I feel like what you're talking about, like having a bad experience, it happens a lot, and especially these days, especially things that we hear about the church and Catholicism and religion in general. That it's like people then take the reaction that they have, and they they talk about faith like through that frustration, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being like, okay, but I'm a person of faith, so what do I do with that frustration? Right. You know, it's like the opposite, kind of like we talked briefly about before um, this, but it's like I definitely think that that's. That's changed. Like, that's the shift. That shift has definitely taken place of, like, looking at your faith through your feelings versus, like, looking at your feelings through your faith. Does that make sense? Can you say that again? Yeah. You look at your faith through your feelings, right? So, like, if you're angry about something that takes place in the church, mm-hmm. you're going to look at that through your anger. Okay, yeah. Right? Instead of being like, okay, I'm angry about something that took place in the church. So instead of starting with your emotion, you start with your faith and be like, I am a, I am a, right. a beloved son or daughter of God, right. and I believe that the Eucharist is, is you know, the greatest gift that we've ever received. Right. What am I going to do with my anger? Right. Versus like, I'm super angry. What am I going to do with my faith? Right. You know? Yeah. When I found something too huge is like with extended family and talking to them this weekend, seeing them over Easter. And a lot of my cousins, you know, were born and raised Catholic, but now they don't either. They don't go to church or they'll say they're Catholic, but they don't really practice. Um, and like one of my cousins just goes to non-denominational churches now. And I think a huge thing is people don't ask the whys. Mm. So they'll get upset because of a teaching or because of something they heard at church or whatever. But then they don't say, okay, why is this being taught? Why does the church say this? They just get mad at what they're saying. And then they decide, okay, I'm done. This is too much. Or that's like, I don't agree with that. And they leave. But they're not looking at like the why. I think people have frustrations with the teaching of the church. And instead of like engaging that and being like, okay, like, okay, I don't agree with it, but I know that this is my family. Yeah. They're like, okay, I I disagree with it. I'm out. Right. You know, that happens a lot, you know? Well, and I even think about that with my own family because my mom was born Catholic and, and so when she was six though, her 
mom and dad, not really so much her mom, but her mom just, so my grandma just kind of followed my grandpa. My grandpa got really upset with a priest or, and I think maybe the bishop, something with the authority of the church. Mm-hmm. I don't know the whole story, but he got upset. And so started going to the Episcopal church. And so my mom was raised from six on in the Episcopal church. And my mom said like her mom, so my grandma always kind of, she thought wanted to like go back to Catholicism or like back to the Catholic faith. But like she was like firm and saying, okay, well I'm going to follow my husband and like stay with him as a family. And so then when my mom married my dad, my dad is Catholic. And my mom's like, well, I want to raise our children like together in like the church. So my mom's like, I'm just going to like convert to Catholicism. So that's, so I always think too, though, like how that was crazy. Like my mom started Catholic then was raised her whole life yeah. as Catholic, and now here she is Catholic again, though. But yeah, yeah. I think that's crazy. And like, so, like, now my whole mom's side of the family, they're all Episcopal. It's like we're the only Catholics on that side. Is your grandma still around? She isn't. She passed away when I was in fourth grade. Okay. And it was kind of interesting, though, because cause I remember my mom saying when she was converting to Catholicism, my grandma was, like, really, like, happy, kind of excited. And I remember my mom saying that she told her mom that, she was like, Mom, like, why don't you just, like, come with me? Like, why don't you just do it with me? And I think my grandma, like, kind of wanted to. But she was like, well, I just don't want to, like, offend your dad or like, make yeah. your dad upset. But I think she, like, kind of wanted to. But, yeah. And, like, she even, my mom said, like, they had found letters that my grandma had written. And she was still really close with a priest that she was really close with. And she'd, like, off and on, like, even after they had left the church, mm-hmm. like, write to this priest just about her life and, like, what was going on. So she was still Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was just kind of making the, you know, keeping up appearances. Right. Kind of. Right. Or, like, keeping the peace. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Which is an important thing, you know. I'm fascinated by that, too. Like, the idea of... Because it such, seems like such a thing these days where people... Because there's so many hot-button issues socially right now mm-hmm. that like people have a tendency to like right off the bat they disagree with the church in a way that okay so like is the church supposed to like change and fit society or are we supposed to fit society to like match the church you know <laughs> what i mean so like as society, yeah. as society yeah. changes you know and like our values change and how we define things change like the church has pretty much stayed the same yeah. i say for the past you know two thousand years or whatever so people get frustrated because the church doesn't change to, to match society. Whereas the church is like, hey, we are who we are. Like, right. don't be so surprised that when we don't, yeah, you know. Well, and, like, I think that goes back to the consistency and just, like, the truth of, like, what we believe. It's like that doesn't change. And so if the church is, like, rooted in truth and, like, rooted in Jesus, then it's not going to change, mm-hmm. really, yeah. throughout the years, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no matter how much people might want it to. Right. Yeah, for better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I feel like like you guys, like your generation, I feel like is is I'm super excited about what's happening, like because I feel like a lot of young have left or whose families have left, like are coming back and have questions and they see the church and the people that like are engaged in the questions are like the church has the answers to like what I'm looking for. Yeah. So I think like there's a lot of movement to back, like back towards the whole idea of like asking the why mm-hmm. and like seeing that the church has the answer. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. whether or not they see it like right off the bat, at least they see it as a place yeah. that has answers. Right. You know? And I think just like also being okay with the answers, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe like they don't like, like it's not the answer they want to hear, sure. but then like, 
kind of like looking at yourself and being like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's a talk about a bold move, right? Like right. that's that takes cur- that takes courage. Yeah. To challenge you to like check yourself and say, right. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. I I mess that up all the time. Yeah. Like I did that today like fifteen times probably when I like thought every, it was everybody else's fault. Right. When you yeah. do that, it's yeah. like everyone else's <laughs> fault but you're on your own like <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it was me the whole time, turns out. I appreciate you sitting down. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. We'll see you around, uh, see you around the dome. Yeah. <laughs> be good, for sure. Right. See you in mass. Today is Divine Mercy Sunday, April 28th, uh, the first Sunday after Easter. So it's only fitting that we talk about Divine Mercy. For today's prayer, instead of doing the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which is pretty popular and pretty well-known and prayed very often uh, throughout the world, I want to focus just specifically on what's called a three o'clock prayer. And St. Faustina, um, who was given instructions by our Blessed Lord to to spread the message of divine mercy, was given along with the chaplet, just a shorter version of devotion to Jesus' divine mercy. One of the things that he talked to St. Faustina about was in the three o'clock hour, it's important as a holy hour because that's the hour that he died on the cross. So he asked St. Faustina to spread this message of divine mercy at that hour in particular as a way for people to focus on Jesus' passion and Jesus' mercy, in particular to pray for people in sin. So instead of talking about the, the chaplet of divine mercy, I'm just going to talk to you about this three o'clock prayer. You can say it in shortened versions of this. Three o'clock, you can just say, Jesus, mercy, you know, or have mercy on me, Jesus, uh, and on the whole world. It seems to be more effective if it's done in front of the Blessed Sacrament, but not necessary. You can just do it on your walk to class, or you can do it at the grocery store, or you can do it when you're waking up from a, a nap, or hopefully it's a nap and not waking up for the day, but sometimes it is. Um, you can just say it at three o'clock. So here's the prayer. I'm beginning in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You expired, Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls, and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world. O fountain of life, unfathomable divine mercy, cover the whole world and empty yourself out upon us. O blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fountain of mercy for us, I trust in you. Holy God, holy mighty one, holy immortal one, have mercy on us and the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and the whole world. Jesus, King of Mercy, we trust in you. In the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>